I can hardly contain my tears, and I need to tell you why. So way back when I was youth pastor here, Kevin was 16 years old, and he led the worship band at youth group. And now him, and let me just say this, Paul, sitting back there that runs this whole tech stuff, creates all the stuff you see on the screens. And then Jeremy, he's behind that middle camera. That was our, our crew that led the worship, that did all the tech stuff, et cetera. And you guys are still killing it for Jesus. And I'm just really proud of you. Good job. It's awesome. It's awesome. So that was just a little taste of what will be happening here on Christmas Eve. Make sure you're here at 4 or 7. A very clear presentation of the gospel of Christ will be shared. And so make sure you take advantage of that opportunity. Come and worship the Lord, but also bring others who might need to know the Lord as Savior and just bring them to a, a wonderful event celebrating the birth of Christ. I'm so grateful Pastor Craig and the team allows me to come. I'm going to be part of the teaching team this upcoming year, and I'm looking really forward to that. I'm so thankful to be welcomed back to the place that built me. This is the house that built me. Um, that, uh, you, uh, you, let me make a, you, let me, you let me make a lot of mistakes, and you tolerated me. And I look back at some of the things I did when I was a youth pastor. I should be in jail. <laughs> nothing, nothing illegal, but just crazy. I remember, well, I almost, Jane, I shouldn't tell the story, should I? But some fun days I had here as youth pastor, so it's fun to, to be back, to be back home and to be able to preach to you and, and to have a lot of my kids sitting on the front row this morning. And so uh, I, I just thank you for this opportunity. And I'm going to seek today to present you a very simple and a very clear message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I will say in my many years of ministry now, I have sought to make my messages much more simple and very easy to understand. I want a five-year-old kid, a 10-year-old kid sitting in the service today to leave and say, I understood that because I believe the message of the gospel is very simple and we have complicated it and I want to deliver a very simple and clear message to you this morning about the life of Jesus. So our world right now, there's this commercial, there's this ad, you see it on TV, it says the world runs on Duncan. America runs on Duncan. I passed the Dunkin' Donuts a few days ago. There were five cars in the drive-thru. That's not the world. And if you're just going to use the drive-thru as an illustration, then the world must run on Chick-fil-A. But, but the world, the America runs on Duncan is the theme. But that's not true. Duncan's good. I love a good donut. But the world we live in runs on authority, power, and control. That's what it runs on. I want you just to think about all the systems you're involved in. It pushes authority and power and control down your throat. We've just come through a crazy political system. It really never ends anymore. Billions upon billions of dollars spent to try to convince you to vote one way or the other. Why? Because that group wants control. They will say they're doing it to serve you. Let me just let you in on it. It's not about that. It's about control. Corporations, we would say about cor the corporate world, we would say about, you know, 
all the things that happen on Financial Avenue, Wall Street, etc. It's about control. We don't like to admit this, but churches run on authority and control. At Winning at Home, I'm constantly battling with this, this, how do I keep this crazy Western culture system out of here? It's, it's authority. It's control. I can break it down like this. I'll, I'll show you a simple illustration of that. We just finished a little book project, and at the end of that project, the publisher from California called and said, Hey, can you, get, can you ask three people to endorse this book? Now, let me tell you what they were saying to me. Do you know anybody that has any power? Do you know anybody that, that's pretty well-known that will help? Well, but they're not asking me this just to say a little bit. No, they're wanting to know how to sell books, and they know that power sells books. Like if I had said back to them, yeah, I know this homeless dude lives on 16th Street in Holland, wears these horns. I see him sometimes when I'm driving down the road. I'll get his endorsement. They would laugh at me. They would laugh at me, and they would say, well, it's foolish. Those of you who have completed a resume this year, at the top of that resume, it says, three references, please. You don't put on there people that no one knows. You, you think about, who do I know that knows somebody that knows somebody? I wonder if they'd be willing to let me use them. Why? Because that gives you a little bit of potential connection to power, authority. Control. So that's why this next thing I'm going to show you makes no sense. Like, God doesn't operate in that arena. And I would frankly tell you that I missed that for many, many years. I think I'm beginning to understand it, and it's probably because I've had to relinquish a lot of the control of my own family to God. And in doing that, I've learned, oh, it never was really about me doing it anyway. The story of Jesus, as is told in Luke chapter 2, which we've been studying in this series, gets to this place in the passage that I'm going to preach from today, and it's coming up on the screen. It's very simple. It says that there were angels coming to the shepherds who were living out in the fields. Look at that. There were shepherds living out in the fields. So every year... Christmas hits me some particular place, and this year it was when I saw that verse. I, I've read that verse, I've preached that verse, I've told that verse to my kids, etc. But I never really saw that one, two, three, four, fifth word up there the same way. Living. Hang on, hang on, hang on a second, Dan. Wait, they they lived out there, so I went. I got this little stool I use at my office. When I'm working on a sermon and I close my door and I took the little stool and I walked it over and I kind of sit against the wall in it and I went, okay, what would that be like? So for 20 minutes, 20 minutes, I sat on the stool and I tried to close my eyes and put myself in the world of a shepherd who lived out in a field. Y'all need to get that. Like, I think we've pictured this in the past. Some of you studied a little more or know this verse better than me. You're already there. But for most of us, we just think about the shepherds. They, yeah, they were doing their thing out in the field. No, no, no. They lived there. Like maybe starting at the age of 13 and never came out of the field. 
might have had a hut, but most likely, as I talked with Steve Norman, who's done a lot of trips there, most likely they just slept there between, you know, some crevices and rocks because they weren't wanted in town. They weren't welcome in town. They had no power. They had no authority. They had no control. Their job was to watch those sheep because they're going to be slaughtered at the festivals that happened in the temples. Those sheep are going to be given to sacrifices, and their job was to keep them blemish-free. So I sat on the stool and thought, where would I go to the bathroom? Like, would me and my buddies, who are also shepherds, go, well, let's try to use at least this one consistent place. If you can read between the lines. <laughs> what do we eat? At night, I might sneak into town and steal a shepherd's pie. That's where the name probably came from. Off a shelf of somebody that had it sitting by the window you couldn't go like, like this morning if it were 2022 those shepherds could not walk in here because they were unclean their job literally made them unclean according to the religious rituals of the day so they they never got in anywhere no one wanted them can you see where this is going does anybody in here ever feel unwanted? Do you ever have a time in your life where you sit and think, I don't think anyone wants me. I don't think I fit anywhere. What's my life about? God had a system that he was building for us to understand in this story. I thought about the fact that I fell asleep at night counting sheep. That's where that came from, probably. That's what you do. It's basically not much of a life. The world would look and go, well, there's the lowest low. And then God sends an angel to them first. Like, the baby's just been born, and then the angel appears to these guys? No, 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 no. Why, why wouldn't he send them over there, there, there? Why, why here? God was making a statement. I don't work the way your system works. I don't do things to get you to go, yay, God. And this angel shows up middle of the night, and the Bible says the glory of the Lord shone around him. In other words, freaked them out the angel freaked these shepherds out the shepherds never saw anything like that they didn't have pixel screens like this they never seen any of this stuff and the angel says good news great joy all people a savior's been born it's for you see ya where are you going with this I sat on my stool and I thought what the world Hey, Leo, you saw that. Who are we going to tell? Nobody's going to listen to us. We're nobodies. Shoot, I even thought about this. 
Let's say that happened to me last night. Like last night in my backyard, I come up here on Sunday morning today, and I say to you, guys, this is crazy. But last night a shepherd came in my backyard. I'm sorry, an angel shepherd. An angel came. You believe that. But an angel came in my backyard and showed the whole light all around. Some of my neighbors saw it. Crazy. This angel was talking to me. Many of you would think bizarre thoughts about me. Somebody here, oh, he finally found cannabis. You know, you would think something about me. You would think something. So what chance did those shepherds have of going and telling people that this angel came and said that? And it, we're, it's 2022, so we understand the story. They didn't get the story. The only one in this moment that understood the story was the angel. Joseph and Mary just had Jesus. They don't get the rest of the story. It's a little baby. Anybody here has got a little baby? You're going, I don't know what the rest of life's like. Right, exactly. That's where they are. The shepherds, no idea what this angel is saying. Good news, great joy, all people. Huh? Go tell. Okay. And I find it incredibly interesting this morning who God picked to tell the story. The least. The one in here today. I'm fast forwarding. We're not to 2022 today. The one is sitting in here that goes, I'm a nobody. I want you to know that angel was speaking to you that day. You might be a nobody in the world's standards, but you are somebody to God. Because he wants you to hear this story. Y'all need to know, as I've aged and this year of coming and preaching, y'all need to know, I don't try to peach to those of you who are saved anymore. Bless you, I hope you get something out of it. For the two, the one who might be watching on that screen right now who is not a follower of Christ, I preach for you. Because I want you to hear there is a man named Jesus who will give you hope. He'll give you hope. And listen to me, it's, it's what the angel said, this is, I'm going to break it down, this is good news for you to hear today. You can't get, here's my first point, you can't get to a crevice in life that God's arm can't reach you. Oh, so good. Somebody today sitting in a crevice, living in a crack and a hole. And you're addicted to every piece of crap this world has to offer. And you go, no, he can't reach me. Yeah, it's actually who he came for. It's crazy. It's awesome. It's a great story. I'm sorry. It's just a great story. I'm not crying to try to impress you. It's just I, I heard for somebody today who's here. I have a new heart for the lost. Somebody today trying to find your identity the way this world wants you to find your identity. Start with Jesus. Please start with Jesus. That's the good news. And you can't be outside his reach. I had to speak recently at an event. <laughs> this is almost humorous. You guys, if you know me at all, you know I'm a bit competitive. <laughs> and I had to speak recently at an event. And there was a guy at the event. Um, it was not a Christian environment. There was a guy at the event who, uh, they asked me to talk about the birth of Christ. And, and so I'm sharing that. And this guy obviously didn't 
like the message or didn't agree and you know they introduced they know I'm a preacher so that's already just even for somebody here today you just don't like preachers I get it sometimes I don't like us either <laughs> but this guy when I would say anything about and this savior came he would be like this savior He's just, every time I'd say something like that that's a bunch of crap you know you just just see he just detested it what he didn't know is I mean I'm as I'm speaking, I'm like, oh, baby, I'm coming after you. <laughs> and today I want to say to somebody watching on screen or somebody sitting in here and you, you're just kind of like on edge right now going, I don't like this message. I'm coming after you in love today because Jesus sees your crevice. He saw, I, I, I can prove my point, he saw the shepherds. Nobody in that town saw the shepherds, but God did. And he said, I'm coming after you. And the second piece of good news in that little part of the story is this. This is one of my favorite things about that part of the story. God does not chase people's approval. This should give you a lot of peace. Our God in heaven doesn't need your affirmation. He doesn't do things so you can go, yay God. He doesn't. Let me, let me prove that point. He came to shepherds in a field in Bethlehem. If God would have wanted to impress man, let me tell you what he'd done. He would have come Six miles over, that's where Jerusalem is. That was the authority, the power, the control. It hung out in Jerusalem, not in Bethlehem, lowest of low. God said, I'm not going to go there. I don't need your accolades. I don't need you to go, oh, he picked the right town. No, I'm going to go over here. I'm going to go over here to the lesser town, to the least people. And I'm going to pick a trough instead of the Ritz-Carlton. And he says, now, that satisfies me. That's the way I want to do it. And the world goes, that makes no sense. And I'm going to make this free for everyone. That makes no sense. No, if you want to have something good in the authority, then you got to pay you got to follow all the rules. And you got to jump through the hoops. And if you don't do it this way, this authority says, you don't fit. And God said, I won't play by your rules. Your rules are foolishness to me. I came and I sent and I will serve the way I want to serve. And this is God's hand at work, and I would tell you, I would just tell you, in the Christian world, and I'm putting myself in the category of the Christian world, we have missed this message. When I was youth pastor here 30 years ago, I worked really hard to get your affirmation. I see it now. I didn't realize I was doing it. I wasn't trying to do it, but I wanted you to like me. I wanted to fit in. I wanted you all to say, he's a killer preacher. And then the Lord 
lets me go through some shepherd moments of humility and it ain't about you and you're going to see some pain you don't want and you don't like etc and the reason i'm doing this is i want to get you over here to a place where you understand it's not about you it's about me it's about what i want to do through you and if you can figure this out seaborn i got a chance at using your life but if you want to make it about this world's authority and power Go for it. It doesn't end well. And God set that example in the birth of Jesus. And for those of you with five-year-olds and three-year-olds and 13-year-olds, your example of living this humble life, of making sure it doesn't become about you, it might not be seen right now. Three-year-olds, we, we have a couple of three-year-old and four-year-old grandchildren. I'll tell you a word about them. Tiring. <laughs> love them. Love them. I'm really killer good at watching them for like an hour. They're tiring. Sometimes when we give them back to our children, you know, I'm like, thank you, have a good day. Close the door like, whoo-hoo-hoo-hoo. Y'all didn't know I'd do that. Whoo! Go sit down. <sighs> Those years and that serving and that giving to them doesn't seem to matter. But it's the same as the Christmas story. The world looked and the angels saying to the shepherds, Good news, great joy. Joseph and Mary, people are coming to see you. And Mary and Joseph, what's this all about? They were living through the this is tiring. But in the long run, in the most serving and painful moment of that mama's life, as she watched that little baby grow up to 33 and bleed out on a cross, I think she went, I get the message. I don't like it, but if this is saving the world, go for it, God. Wow. No, the system over here would have said, nope, he's got to be king, priest, put him in charge, he's large and in charge, learns all the politics and everything. Let's make statues of him. And God said, no, the statue will be a cross. The crown will be a nail. It's good. I got a plan that thwarts the world system. And frankly, living the plan some days sucks. Preacher would say that, yeah, some days being humble sucks. Because you don't get a lot of accolades for it. But it was why God picked the shepherd to make a statement to the world, I don't do things your way. And the third little thing I wrote down, and I'm going to read it because I don't want to mess it up. The calamities of this world will never overpower God's plan. I, I, I hope that gives you good news today. This world, no matter what the system builds, no matter how big it gets, no matter what it looks like, no matter what laws are passed by this world, it will never overcome God's plan. That's big news. <laughs> and I wrote about myself 
I wrote about Dan Seaborn this line, life offers me daily opportunity to access my frailty and need to be reminded of his plan. Life offers me daily opportunity because let, let's just all be honest, this world is tempting. It feels good. And you have to pull your foot back and go, no, 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 serve. He did not come to serve, but to be served. He did not come to be served, but to serve. I must not live to be served, but to serve. How long? Uh, whole life. And that's good news because God set the example of it and proved that it works. And then he said, the second thing the angel said to the shepherds was, good news of great joy, great joy. I wrote down the fact that in our world we've replaced joy with happiness. We think the angel yelled, great happiness, great happiness. That's not what it's about. Happiness is man-made. Happiness is based on circumstances. In our world right now, we're being told, do what makes you happy. I say to you, I say straight up to all of you listening, especially teens in the room, that is a lie. Life is not about you being happy. If it is, if it is, and God's example with Jesus is our example to follow, then he screwed his son over mightily. Jesus' life was not happy. But it was joyful. Let me explain. Happiness, man-made. Joyfulness is God-made. In other words, your circumstances don't decide how you're doing today. Like what y'all went through this week does not decide if you're joyful in here. You're joyful because you're God's kid and you're good. And that's a decision. And that makes no sense in our world. Because the world says, no, no, no. No, I, I got to have it my way. And everything's got to go what I'm thinking. And everybody needs to recognize what I'm thinking. Because that will make me happy. And I will tell you at the end of that. If you get everything you want, you will be wanting more because joy only comes from depths that you know in the Lord today standing in front of you as a personal witness I want to speak to that so teens in the room of course I'm speaking to everyone but teens I want to talk to you a second so I sit on my stool in my office where I write these messages I sit on the stool a long time Teens, I need to speak to you. I realize that when you look, and those of you on screen too, or maybe watching you know, later, I realize as you look at me, you see an older man. Got it. I understand it. But just hear me out for a second. I can go back to being 13 in my mind so quick. God, God is, I just think about your life a lot more than you think. What you must be dealing with right now, what society is throwing at you right now, teenager. What's being put in your mind to consider. I realize you're hearing a 30-minute message and the world 24-7 is giving you a different one. I got it. I get it. Would you listen to me for just a moment? I get your world. I went to a high school basketball game the other night. I know I'm 62. I get it. But I, 
I remember it so clearly, and I remember it 13, 14, 15. I sat on my stool in my office, and I thought about how I wanted out. I want out. I don't like, I don't like what I'm dealing with. I don't like being the loser at school. I recalled, I recalled a horrible day when I was 17. And at my high school we had, I look back now how horrible this was and how wrong it was and how disrespectful to me it was to many of the African-American friends I had. But they had a day called Slave Day where the teachers could purchase you for the day. And I remember a teacher bought me as a senior made me wear signs around my neck. I cried in my office the other day, reliving that, going, oh my gosh. He's totally freaking humiliated me. He made me feel like a total fool. I wanted out. And if you had told me, years later I would lead an organization or preach the name of Jesus like I am this morning, I would have been like, I'd have almost done like that guy the other day. No chance of that. And here I sit today as I think about the number of teams this week that came to Winning at Home for counseling. Not for me, I'm a preacher, but we have counselors and coaches there. Literally tons of teens came today, this week, for counseling at our office because of what society's throwing at you. I acknowledge it. Teenagers here today, I acknowledge that there's not a lot of adults giving you great guidance. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I don't have it all figured out either, but I can point you to a man, a man named Jesus that we're celebrating this Christmas season. And I want you to know in him you have a little hope. You have hope that you're going to make it through this. And I got a feeling that your life's going to be used for something far greater than you can see. And I want to encourage you today, if you feel outcast, if you feel like a shepherd, welcome. Welcome to knowing that there's a man named Jesus who said, I came for you. Now, I know that at the age of 13, you're going, what, what, what's my next step? I thought about this a long time because I can't sit here and give you this, this, this. Maybe you do call our office and get a godly counselor giving you some guidance. I'd love that. If you can't afford it, you tell them Dan sent you. We have a counseling scholarship fund. If you're here and you're a teen and you say, we don't have any money, call my office. Somebody else here will pay for it. And I want you to know that there is hope for you. And I don't want you to go do something foolish. Because I got great joy in my heart today seeing that God used a broken little kid coming from six miles South Carolina, gave me the privilege to come here and preach a while and then go start this thing called Winning at Home. And kids and teens came this week to find hope in Jesus. So God can use you. And I'm going to die someday. Come go start something like me or come over and run that one. 
because I'm just passing through. It's what we do for Jesus that matters. And kid in here today, maybe you're just not even a teenager yet and you're understanding the message. I'm telling you, I, my heart is for you this morning. If my heart is for you, how much greater God's heart is for you. And you parents in here who are raising teens and kids right now, I love you, man. I'm, so, I'm sorry for some of the crap you're going to have to deal with in this stupid, ricked-up society. I want to tell you, keep your solid foundation on the Lord God Almighty. Spend your time in His Word. Make sure you go to Him for your strength. Don't look to anybody for your strength. Look to the Lord God Jesus. Look to Him. He is the one who said, good news, great joy, Mom and Dad, raising a kid in these days. Great joy, because your hope is in Jesus. So, student, I say to you, take a next step. Spend more time talking to the Lord. What does that look like, Dan? Spend time one-on-one -on -one saying, Jesus, show me what you have for me. Help me know how to live this day. Help me navigate this one day today in your presence and with your guidance. Look to Scripture. Read some stories in Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. That's the four, first four books of the New Testament. Stories about Jesus. It'll encourage you. My heart's for you today. My heart is for you today. I pause a moment, Jesus. I was not planning this, but I'm just going to pray over teens and kids. I pray that they would know you and know that you have a plan for them. I pray for some kid. Like I say, I, I preach maybe for two people these days. If, if there's a teen in the audience today or watching online or maybe watching the video later who's just at wit's end, Remind them you came for them. And the message is very simple. Jesus was born to give them hope. And he is the savior of the world. Comfort parents today who have a wayward child or a kid struggling with these issues. They literally, I had one tell me this week, I don't know what to do. So for the parent raising a small child, raising a teenager give them guidance protect these homes i pray lord today angels of protection around every child and every kid represented by us would you bring hope to their spirits would you remind them you are their savior in jesus i pray amen good news great joy and then the last part is for all people. For all people. Y'all do understand that it was to the Jewish people there. Like when the angel was speaking that, it was to the Jewish people. Like we read it now in 2022 and go, oh yeah, no, lo, there was a time 60 years later that Paul went to Antioch and began to spread it. And that's where it crossed the bridge to the Gentiles. But originally when the angel spoke it, it was to the Jewish people. Because that was where the child was going to be born. So he comes, he delivers the message. The shepherds walk into town, see the baby, and then they begin to share the news. Word begins to spread. And then after that, Paul takes it across the bridge to us. And in 2022, near Christmas season, I look at all of you in the room and I say to you, the angel was talking about you when he said for all people because the angel understood it. And now the question is, 
what do we do with it? Like, now, now I know there's a man named Jesus who came for me. What am I going to do with that? And you say, I've heard the message a thousand times. Have you ever really heard it? Like, do you get that? He, he moved you away from authority over to servanthood and serving, and now that's what he wants from you. It's not a popular message. It's not hip. And we do a lot in our world, and it's beautiful. Look at this set. I know a lot of the guys who spent time building this set. We have, look at the size of that screen. Look at the amazing lights we have. All that's wonderful for reaching people. That ain't going to save a soul. What saves souls is a man named Jesus. Do you know him? <laughs> the other night, just to put it in perspective in a humorous way, uh, for those of you who uh, follow a little bit of what's going on in society, it was probably about a month ago. I can't remember, but the lottery hit a billion dollars. Do you ever remember this? Lottery hit a billion dollars. Well, I was laying in bed. It was about 10 o'clock at night. And you said, I can't believe you're sharing this. And you played the lottery. Please. So anyway, I was, I was uh, laying in bed. I thought, I didn't get my ticket. I want to win the lottery. So I got up, 10 o'clock, pulled my pants on, drove about two miles to a J&H family store. I went to one of those stores you hear the ads about, and I walked in, I bought me two tickets. And I told the young lady, I said, ma'am, if I win this, I'm bringing you a million bucks. We talked about it because I'm going to win a billion dollars. After taxes, I'll probably get 20 million. <laughs> Share that with her. So I waited up to 11 o'clock. There comes the balls and look at my numbers. Didn't match a one. Zero. <laughs> oh, for whatever. Go to sleep. Shoot. Watch this. The odds of me winning were one in a billion. But I got up and put effort into trying. Now watch this, watch this. The story I just told you about the man named Jesus. The odds of him being your savior and giving you life eternal goes from one in a billion to one in one. He says, if you take this gift I give you, if you'll say, I believe in Jesus and I receive him as my Lord and my savior, your odds are one in one. You're going to get it. What the world? What the world? We play the billion-dollar lottery but won't take advantage of this. It's crazy. Today in this room and those online, if you say, Jesus, be my Lord and Savior, forgive my sins, he will. Done. No, no, I'll, I'll get out of bed. I'll drive two miles. I'll... I'll, I'll drive across the world. I, no, Dan, you don't get it. I really want to go for the authority and power. Okay. Okay. One in a billion. The story of Jesus is simple. We complicate it. So I clearly today, the Lord has laid on my heart, say my name clearly. So I, in closing this message, look at you and I say to you, Jesus wants to be your Savior. He came and died for you and rose again. If you will receive him as Lord, you can be his child. His word says it. And you will spend eternity with him. I would take those odds one in one. It's up to you. It's up to you. You can go, psst, psst. You can. It's your call. I used to feel like, how do I trick him? Nope, no. I, I don't need to try to figure out how to. I'm sharing the message. You got a one in one shot at it. It's up to you if you'll receive it.
I'm not telling you it's perfect when you do. I'm not telling you life will go easy. Mine has not. But I'm good because I found joy in knowing what I know. So this morning, Lord, we bow our heads as a statement of reverence to you. Forgive us our sins. Thank you for sending your son named Jesus. Help us to understand he is the hope for our world. We renew our, we for the first time, commit our lives to serving you so that those who follow us will find us faithful. I pray for a blessing over the families represented here through this Christmas season and the days ahead in Jesus' name.